Good morning. Glad you've joined us here at Freedom Fellowship online once again this morning. But what a great morning to turn our hearts, our attention to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, together. I'm very excited for today. I have my friend Seth Waters with us. He pastors a church up in Iron River, uh, Calvary Chapel up there. Uh, some of you guys know his sister, Deanna, who fellowships with us. Got to go on a trip recently, end of February, with his mom, uh, Julie. She had put that together for us, and it was such a blessing. Really, it is a trip of a lifetime. And if you ever get the opportunity, uh, go. The Word of God does come alive, and as you read and study it, uh, you'll never look at the scriptures in the same way. So why don't we pray and ask God to have his way, that his will would be done in our service, our time here together this morning. So if you'd bow your head with me now. Father in heaven, we are grateful that you are on the throne, and that is not going to change Father, you are sovereign, you are in control. Even though things in this world seem to be falling apart, it seems like there's chaos all around us, you are still the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's one thing that we love about you. We thank you so much that you are God Almighty, that you are the creator of heaven and earth. What a privilege to seek you today. And we want to do that well in a way that would honor you and please you. So, we are humbly asking of you to meet with us, to open our hearts and our minds, that we would be able to receive all that you would have. And in turn, God, we want to receive in a way that we are changed, transformed, that we would honor you and glorify you in our lives, in our walk. So we pray, Father, that you would do a great work uh, this morning. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. So I have my friend, uh, Seth with us today. I know he's going to encourage us well, and uh, he's got a gift not only to uh, love people and to shepherd a flock there up in the UP, uh, but he's a gifted musician, much like his father uh, Bill was. Uh, Bill is home with the Lord, and I so look forward to seeing him one day again. Uh, but it's a blessing to see how God is working through uh his family and through Seth and just the things going on. So Seth, thank you so much for being with us today, brother. Um, and now uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, God bless. I'll be back in a little bit and we'll jump into Revelation chapter six together. Hello, friends. Seth here. Um, good friends with Pastor Landon and Sonny and their family. You guys know my sister Deanna and David, her husband, and um, I got the privilege uh, of hanging out with Landon like uh, a little over a month ago before all of this pandemic stuff started getting tossed around and we all were issued stay-at-home orders and different things. And um, we actually discussed this because, you know, we had, we kind of saw it coming and there were different things that were on the table at the time. And we got a chance to, um, to fellowship as I was visiting some family down in Appleton and it was a really sweet time. Um, you know, I've been privileged to know Landon for most of my life, and I got to tell you guys something. Um, if there was one person, you know, that that I would like to have around me, or if there, you know, of the number of people that I would that I, that I look to in life um, to really just help keep focus in times when I'm troubled, or um, in times when I'm questioning 
things. Uh, your pastor Landon is one of those guys, and I really appreciate him and his family and their faithfulness, their commitment to God and to the word, and their love for the body. Um, and so you guys are really privileged to have him as your pastor. I just want to encourage you with that because um, it's important in times like these that as we're, you know, we've had the rug pulled out from under us in a number of ways, and as we, we're starting to question things, and we look around to the world around us, which seems like it's another chaos right now, um, it's really important for us to know who we can look to and, and who we shouldn't look to. And um, Landon is definitely one of those guys that, that I, I look to, and uh, we, we, we look to each other for encouragement and support and, and the word and uh, accountability and different things like that. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys to that. You guys got a super cool guy that's leading you right now, and, um, and pray for him, support him as your pastor, um, because there's, there's just a lot of, there's a heaviness right now in the world around us. Luckily, we know who we go to in this time of need, and um, I'm going to actually share some scripture with you um, before I, I lead in, a, in a, a couple songs of worship. Before I read this scripture, I just want you to consider something that I think is a really healthy question to ask ourselves in this time. And that is, um, what is your worship life like right now? Like in your worship to the Lord? The reason why I ask that question is because um, we have an opportunity right now in the body of Christ that we've never had before. We have an opportunity to put into practice the statements that many of us make when it, re- when it comes to worship, regarding worship, um, in our congregations and in our churches right now. You know, that statement that you hear a lot is, um, worship is not music exclusively, right? You hear worship leaders say that, you hear pastors say that, you know, it's not the lights, it's not the, the instruments, it's not the, the sound systems, it's not the, you know artistic ways of expression. It's not any of those things. Worship is an attitude of our heart and our mind. And so um, right now we have an opportunity because we don't have a lot of those things, right? I mean, I can pretty this up and throw a light on the floor. And, you know, I live uh, here in this, in this building where, you know, I have a recording studio and different things that, that I have. And so, um, you know, I have a, an opportunity to, to utilize this, but the reality is, is that there's not anybody else here to share this with me. Right now, I can, I can live stream and I can do these things. And so you're going to sit home in your living room. You're going to hear these songs. And many of you will think to yourself, so it's just not the same. It's just not the same as when I'm at church and I'm able to, to you know, raise my voice with the rest of the body and different things. And you're correct, right? Fellowship is a key um, element of our, you know, role in the body of Christ. And there's something special about being able to raise your voice um, in unity with the rest of the body. But I want you to keep in mind right now that that doesn't, um, that shouldn't restrict your worship to God, right? The level of worship and the depth in worship that you go in should not be predicated on any of these external circumstances, right? And in fact, all of those external circumstances should be taken into subjection of your attitude in worship to the Lord, regardless of how the atmosphere lends itself to what you think worship looks like. Worship is a very humble attitude. Worship is, is you know, bowing down and, and acknowledging your submission and your frailty before our God and creator. When you worship something, you're acknowledging its power and dominion over you, right? That has nothing to do with, you know, your desires and what you want. It has everything to do with the fact that you lay those desires and your wants and your needs and you lay them down, right? And you submit them and you put them to the side in acknowledgement of the greatness of whatever it is that you're worshiping. And so today I, I pray that whichever you're worshiping uh, is related to the Lord and his will for your life and, and his Holy Spirit and, and his son Jesus, 
night, right? And so um, I want to read one of my favorite psalms for you right now. And um, I've just really found it encouraging in this time. So I'm going to read this before uh, I do a couple worship songs for you guys. It's uh, Psalm 139. He says, Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. You've known my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be a light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. In verse 23 and 24, he says something else that, that I think we should all be praying right now. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And what I really believe that this speaks to in our lives right now is the ability that God has to go before us and to really consider, you know, the fact that he knows what, what we're going through. He knows. It's not a surprise to him that we're in the season that we're in. And, um, you know, he knows so much more than we do contain, you know, pertaining to all the situations that we find ourselves in. And so it needs to be an encouragement for us. Um, I'm going to do this song uh, right off the bat, Be Thou My Vision. It's an old hymn. I think it really um, pertains well to what we find ourselves going through in this season. And, um, if you want, go ahead and, and sing along, and uh, you're welcome to do that. Um, if not, consider it, and, and know that this is a really awesome opportunity that we have as believers in the Lord right now in these days. Thou my 
by day or by night Waking or sleeping Thy presence my life Thou my wisdom, be thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, and I thy true Son. Thou in me dwelling, and I with Thee one. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always Thou and Thou only but first in my heart Thy King of heaven, Thy treasure, Thou
Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen, and bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ
When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet My feet rose to dance When death was arrested And my life began Oh, your grace so Washes over me You have made us new Now life begins with you It's your endless love Pouring down on us You have made us new now life it begins with you release from my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he painfully bore he cancelled his debt and he Hold me his friend When death was arrested And my life began Oh, your grace so free Washes over me You have made us new It's your endless love Pouring down on us You have made us new Now life begins with you Our Savior displayed On a criminal's cross Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand That's when death was arrested in my life Washes over me You have made us new Now life begins with you It's your end.
join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Amen. When death was arrested and my life began, that's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, when death was arrested and my life began. Thanks, Seth. That was a blessing. Uh, you are a gift. Uh, to us this morning. Thank you so much for serving us and giving of yourself today. May the Lord bless you and yours well. Um, and just, yeah, God give you all the wisdom needed, Pastor Seth, in loving and serving your congregation and the people in the community there. And Iron River, I know God's doing a great work there. Uh, just thank you so much for loving and serving our Lord and Savior. So, why don't we grab our Bibles this morning and open up to Revelation chapter 6 together. We're going to be looking uh, today uh, at this chapter. We're going to see the, the horsemen of the apocalypse. But I want to consider a passage of scripture that we find later in Revelation. It tells us, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And people have a tendency uh, to want to just ignore the book of Revelation altogether. I've had a, uh, a pastor who I sat under at a season in my life who actually told me uh, that Revelation wasn't for today. I had another pastor I sat under the majority of my life who loved the book of Revelation, who taught it on a regular basis, who had the gift of tying end times into almost every teaching he ever did. Um, so it's one of those things we do not want to ignore uh prophecy as a whole and especially uh, revelation if it's a book of of blessing we're told in chapter 1 verse 3 for all those who uh, read it and hear it uh, we want to receive that blessing from the lord and this morning we're going to get into chapter 6 but before that i want to look at a scripture with you guys that is found in daniel now we know uh, daniel was a prophet of god and he spoke a lot to end times and he also had a lot of prophecy that spoke about the coming Messiah, but also uh, the Antichrist that would come and how he would fit into the Great Tribulation, the last seven years of uh, Jacob's trouble that we read about in his prophecies. But I want to read here in chapter 12, it's the last chapter of Daniel, um, in verse 9, it says, And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Now, Daniel, as you know, actually prophesied the day that Jesus would come uh, to his own. The Messiah was prophesied over 310 times in the Old Testament. There were prophecies concerning his first coming. And it's so cool to think about Daniel receiving this message from Gabriel, these prophecies that he was to write down and to share. And we know that there was a decree that was going to go forth, which we see in the early chapters of Nehemiah from Artaxerxes to uh, rebuild the walls in Jerusalem there. And we know Nehemiah went and did that. And that was from 445 uh, BC. Um, and we were given by Daniel the exact amount of of days uh, until Messiah would come. So if you track back 
there and you take exactly 178,880 days. We don't have time to explain how you come to that. Uh, but if you take his prophecy in the days that were allotted there, it brought you to what we call Palm Sunday. We just looked at that a couple of weeks ago with Pastor David. Um, Palm Sunday was the first day that the people there in Israel had gathered together and Jesus came riding on a donkey, lowly, and they were putting down palm branches, crying out, Hosanna, son of David, save now. Uh, beautiful scene, prophesied. Just a few days later, they would end up crucifying him, but they were hailing him as king. And if you guys remember, right before he ascended there into uh, Jerusalem, uh, we had uh, him weeping. He was weeping over this city. He actually said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, one that I've sent the prophets to. And you stoned them. I wanted to gather you together. As a mother hen gathers you know, her chicks under her wings. I care for, I love you. But you wouldn't listen. If you only would have read, you would have known the day of your visitation. You see, they ignored Daniel because it was sealed up to the end. And Jesus wept because they had not read. And that's one thing I love because we see in Revelation chapter 22, verse 10, do not seal the words of this prophecy or of prophecy of this book. So we are brought to Revelation and there's a divine outline that I would like to consider with you guys in the book of Revelation. We find it in chapter 1, verse 19. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. So the scriptures here um, are laid out in a way, John, you're going to see what is, okay, or what was, what is, and what is to come. Okay, so if we consider that, we saw in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus there in heaven, glorified, great description of him and how John was trying to describe him there. And that would be the past, which you have seen. And then we saw in chapters 2 and 3, which we did a great study uh, looking at the seven letters that Jesus had to those seven churches in Asia Minor um, uh, over the last few months. And I'd encourage you guys to uh, take some time and go back on uh, on our website, come to freedom.com, and take those studies in. There's so much practical wisdom there that God has for his people, for the church as a whole, um, and they're all posted there online for you. So that then, guys, speaks to uh, the things which are, okay? Um, that would be the present. Let me bring up the slide here. There we go. The present. And then the things which will take place after that, well, that would be everything that would come after chapters 2 and 3, the church age. And that brings us to Revelation 4 and on. And that's the future events. And the rapture of the church, which we're told about, which we are exhorted in Scripture to comfort one another with these words. We are to be looking for our blessed hope, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's going to happen after the church age, before the great tribulation. We're told that we're not appointed to wrath. We don't see the church ever, ever mentioned in the tribulation from chapter 6 to 19. The church isn't there at all. And then at the end of the tribulation, we know that Jesus himself is going to come from heaven on a white horse 
and he's going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And the last couple chapters of Revelation speak to the millennium, uh, 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. We so look forward to that day. And we're told in Revelation 19.10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Consider that with me just for a second. Jesus' testimony. It's got to be cool, right? Well, we're told that it's the spirit of prophecy. And we should not despise prophecy. And the sad reality is there's so many churches that don't want to touch the book of Revelation. They don't want to study end time things. A lot of people have questions about them. But I think a lot of pastors just feel ill-equipped or not prepared or they have uh, wrong theology that has come around it, uh, which is a bummer. But the reality is when we study Revelation, I believe it's one of the simplest books to understand in all of the scriptures. Um, It's simply laid out. And there are things when we consider prophecy and really the book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ, right? It's the revelation of him. And I want to consider just prophecy for a second with you guys. He said he would come. As I mentioned before, 310 prophecies concerning his first coming. I mean, it's crazy if you think about it, where he would be born, okay? Uh, What was going to be going on in Israel during that time, that the temple would be standing. The temple hasn't stood most of history there in Jerusalem Well, he came when it was standing, that he would come from the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of the tribe of Judah, from the kingly line of David, all these things, very specific prophecies, and he fulfilled them to a T. And also, we consider his death, okay? He told us beforehand that he would die on the cross. I think of Psalm 22, and you guys can check this out later. But it was written, you guys can read through it and be like, whoa, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the first verse in that psalm. And we know that's what Jesus cried out when he was hanging upon that cross 2,000 years ago. And you read through that psalm and it's a picture of a crucifixion, prophecy being fulfilled. And the thing that's so cool, that was written hundreds of years before Jesus ever came but it was also written 500 years before the Persians had invented crucifixion as a way of torture and death, and the Romans further uh, perfected it. But it's so crazy that it was all laid out even before anyone was ever crucified. Then we also know, prophetically speaking, that he told us that he would rise again from the dead on the third day. We just celebrated Easter last week. Um, again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christianity either rises or falls on that reality, that truth. And he did exactly what he said he would do. And then he says all over the scriptures that he will return. Do you guys know that the second coming of Christ is prophesied about eight times more than his first coming? So if there was over 300 prophecies concerning his first coming, man, the scriptures are are just full of prophecy concerning the last days in his second coming. If you don't believe in it, if you don't understand it, I'd have to say it's because you're not studying the scriptures, you're not reading the word of God. It is all over the word, and that's why I love it. We can't ignore it. That's our blessed hope. We pray, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We look forward to him coming. I do want to point out thus far, 
that God's prophecies have been literally, actually, physically, and completely fulfilled. So don't expect God's prophecies to be fulfilled spiritually, uh, esoterically. That would be, you know, there's only certain people or special groups that have some special knowledge of end time things and prophecy and what's actually going to happen. They've been enlightened. Also, uh, we look at the scriptures not allegorically, okay, except all of his prophecies to be literally, actually, physically, and completely fulfilled as well. So as we consider prophecy, it's always been literal. And for us to approach um, end time prophecy in any other manner, uh, I think is misleading. Um, I know a lot of churches, denominations do that. Um, and it's a shame. God has always spoke literally uh, concerning prophecy. And I believe that he uh, has done that throughout the whole of scripture. And when you take it literally, man, it is so simple. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, it's easy to understand. If you don't, man, you're twisting scriptures. You're trying to make sense of things. Um, and everybody has an opinion and different thoughts. So I want to consider with you the great tribulation together this morning in Revelation chapter 6. But before we turn there, I want to consider a passage out of Jeremiah chapter 2. It says, Have you not brought this on yourselves in that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way? And if you jump down to verse 19 there, your own wickedness will correct you and your backsliding will rebuke you. Now we know, guys, that God will not be mocked, right? Galatians 6, 9, what a man sows, he will reap. And we're told in Numbers 32, verse 23, that your sin's going to find you out. Okay, it's one of those things, guys. God is right, okay? He is the author of life and what he commands of it and of his creation. Many of you guys know the Ten Commandments, Okay. Uh, we've all broken at least one of them, if not all of them, but it's in our nature. We are a sinful people. We are a rebellious people. And here, when Jeremiah the prophet is speaking, okay, God's telling us, hey, you brought this upon yourself. Okay, You have forsaken the Lord. I think about when Jesus was on trial there with Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate didn't want to see him crucified. He found some, no fault in the man. So he brought Jesus and another man, Barabbas, before the people and asked, Hey, who do you want to see crucified today? Barabbas, this man who uh, rose in rebellion, was a murderer, or this Jesus that I find no fault in, this man who healed, who loved. Um, and the people cried out, Hey, we want Jesus to shed his blood today. Let his blood be upon our hands. So we're the ones that have rejected him. And the reality is, guys, we all have internal issues and people don't like Jesus because he is the light of the world and they like their darkness. They like their sin. And that's why people are not willing to come to him. So again, guys, you have brought this on yourself. The great tribulation is going to be the wrath of God poured out upon the world, and we know, guys, uh, when we consider um, the the uh, 
Great Tribulation, we're first introduced to the seven sealed judgments that we find in chapter 6. So if you uh, turn there now, if you haven't, I want to lay out something real quick. If you have a camera on your phone, you can snap a quick picture of this and go back after our time together this morning uh, and look through this. But we're going to look at uh, seven seals uh, this morning, okay? And then uh, this is in chapter 6. And then the contents of them, we're going to see the false messiah, a worldwide war, uh, famine, death, justice for the martyrs, the sixth seal, it's, nature itself is getting disturbed. And the seventh seal actually opens up into the trumpet judgments that we find in chapters 8 to 11. So you guys need to understand, we just looked at chapter 5, okay? Who is worthy to open it? up the scroll. We know it's the Lamb of God. And this scroll had seven seals on it. So to help you guys understand what's going on, Jesus is the one opening the seals. He's the only one that's worthy. So he opens up seal one. He opens it up. And we see the first seal, the first horseman riding on white, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then after that takes place, he opens up another seal. He rolls a little more. Here's the second seal. And then he undoes the third, the third seal, and he goes through all seven seals. And then that seventh seal then contains, once it's open, it contains the rest of Revelation. It talks about the seven trumpets are all included in that seventh seal. The bull judgments that we read about then that come upon planet Earth um, also are all contained in the seventh seal. So hopefully that helps make a little bit of sense. But the reason I'm throwing these up here for you, and this is where you can take a picture now, we also find in the Olivet Discourse that Jesus laid out in Matthew 24 foretelling of the same thing. So snap a picture of this. You can go back later and read how those tie to get uh, in and how in Revelation and Jesus there, how he spoke to these things. So let's take a look at Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Uh, here it says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And again, guys, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Isn't that what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus? Hey, this is the Lamb of God. And then it goes on to tell us that he heard one of the four living creatures Seen with a loud thunder. Think about these living creatures, guys. It's these gnarly beasts, man. Six wings, eyes within and without. They worship the Lord day and night. Okay, one of these cherubim are speaking to John with a thunderous voice. I love that. Catch the picture of what's going on in heaven. He says, come and see. And I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, a lot of different takes on who this person is that is riding this white horse. We know later in Revelation that Jesus comes during his return to earth riding on a white horse and thus a lot of people think well this must be jesus that is being spoken of there are a lot of people out there who've written many books on how this is jesus well the company that he keeps with the other horsemen here it doesn't sound like our jesus for one and there are many scriptures that speak to when jesus 
returns clearly. We believe that this is the Antichrist, and many commentators believe that this is speaking to the Antichrist. If you look again, we're told here that he comes with a bow. We know that Jesus comes with a sword. And then he has this crown upon his head. The Greek word there is Stephanos. Okay, If your name is Stephen, you know that your name means crown. Well, that's made of olive branches. It's a, a wreath. You did a little accomplishment. We're going to crown you with something that is temporary. Well, we know when Jesus returns, he has many crowns. And that's a different word that's used that we get our English word diadem from. That's the crown that is upon Jesus. And one thing that's very clear, Jesus is in heaven opening up these seals. How is he on earth? How can he be the first horseman? There's just a lot of things that don't fit scripturally to those people who hold that this is Jesus Christ. No, it is the Antichrist that Daniel speaks of clearly in chapter 7. I have a scripture here in verse or chapter, um, oh, this is the Lamb of God. He's the one who's able to open the seals. But we see in Daniel here, chapter 8, verse 23, Okay, that there's going to be a king that arises there in uh, verse 23. Now, we know from Revelation 13 that there's a beast that rises, okay, and there's the little horn of Daniel chapter 7. That's the Antichrist, okay, and we see it laid out. Uh, Clearly taught, he's going to bring peace upon the world for three and a half years. Again, the tribulation is seven years long. Um, And halfway through it, we read of the abomination of desolation. That's where he uh, puts the pig upon the altar um, and sacrifices it there. And that's an abomination. And that's why the Jews get undone. And that's when their eyes are open to, hey, this is a false messiah, this antichrist. This is not the Christ. So we know that he comes and when he comes, he's going to make war. Well, where do wars come from? Um, Well, we read in James chapter four, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come uh, for your desires for pleasure that you, that war in your members, you lust and you do not have, you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, you fight, you war, Uh, You don't have because you ask not. Uh, It's one of those things, guys. We fight because of our pride. We want to be right. We want to have this or that. It's all coming back to our own pleasures, our own desires, and that's where wars come from. And you can look at any war. That's why they've happened. So let's consider uh, just for a second um, him coming. Uh, Oh, This is the second seal. We'll just move on. Uh, Second seal here. Verse 3. When he opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So... That's where we see another horseman come, this time riding on a red horse, and he's the one who's going to bring war. Uh, When the first seals open, the Antichrist comes. uh, He's actually going to deceive. He's going to disguise. He's going to 
bring peace. He comes to conquer and to conquer. Uh, he's given power uh, that's not his own. He received authority from someone. Well, we know that Satan gives that authority. I think of oftentimes we can be misled. We're told that in the last days that uh, even the elect may be deceived, okay? People are going to uh, need discernment of what's going on. And we see even Satan himself, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, can array himself as an angel of light. Even his ministers and apostles can do these lying signs and wonders, we're told. So there is a counterfeit that is out there. And when the Antichrist comes, there are going to be miracles and lying wonders. They're not going to be the real thing thing and that's one thing when god does something he does it completely i read in the scriptures when there were healings they were complete healings okay but satan can array himself as an angel of light and man i see people even today they are into angels new age stuff these mediums speaking with these angels we get into this stuff and i just warn you guys okay even if an angel of light comes to you Man, don't receive that this has got to be of God. This is a messenger of the Most High because we know that God has his elect angels that do minister and serve. Uh, but we also know that a third of the angels fell with Satan. You guys remember and he wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to be worshipped like God. And Satan's fall there in Isaiah 14. And we're told that he took a third of the angels, uh, the stars fell with him. So be very careful, okay, when this end time stuff begins to unfold. Again, we're not going to go through it. Uh, the church is going to be raptured, which we'll talk about in a moment. But I want to get back to the second seal here. Um, he comes and he takes peace from the earth, killing one another. There's going to be a great sword. I know brothers and sisters today uh, have a beef with our government. They want to stand in their rights. There's a lot of pride there. We're told in scripture to submit to the authority, the governing authorities that are over us. Romans 13, you can read that for uh, yourselves. And I know in light of that, there are people, well, I'm not going to submit to the government unless they're morally right. Well, God never asks us to sin. Okay, We need to honor him. He's the king of kings. We honor that king first. And if there is another king that we are told to honor who is asking us to sin, of course we don't do that. Okay, We will reject it. We will rebel. But when we are asked to do things that are not sin, hey, we need to submit onto the government in that. And there's a lot of bad theology out there today and a lot of churches that are all about this moral government theology. It's unbiblical. It is not right. A lot of them rolling don't believe in original sin. There's a lot of reasons. Just bad theology begets more bad theology. But I do want to point out that Jesus refused to be pulled into politics. Um, you know, Peter with the sword, hey, put it away, okay? Um, so church, don't look to the government to be our solution. We look to Jesus Christ. And I know a lot of you guys, there's a lot of tensions, a lot of frustration right now with choices our government is doing. There's just a lot of unknowns. But when it's all said and done, we follow Jesus Christ. And what has he asked us to do? Okay, our citizenship isn't here. It's in heaven. We're just passing through. 
we have our mission. And if we're spending so much time worrying about our governments, okay, there's going to be people dying and going to hell because we care more about our rights and what we think and what we want rather than what God is asking us to do. So that's just my two cents on that. Let's move on to the third seal here in Verse 5, it says, When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius or a penny, and a three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil or the wine. So we're going to see rations happen. Okay. There's going to be famine in the world going on. I don't think this is just going to affect us physically speaking. Okay. People working a whole day uh, just to have enough wage, just to buy a little bit of bread. That's going to be horrible. But I think about the reality of what's going on in the world today. People are starving to death. We got way more people who died because of hunger than this coronavirus, but we're willing to stop everything, okay, reassess, address what are we going to do because of this virus, and yet we have our neighbors starving to death. Uh, Shame on us, but there is a day where a famine will affect most of the world. I do think in when it says there at the end, uh, do not harm the oil and the wine, Those are going to be luxuries of the day. Uh, The rich are going to get richer. We see that happening now. And the same thing is going to happen during the tribulation. I want to look with you guys at a picture I took just the other day. Some of you may recognize this mill here on the Fox River in Kakana. I love hanging out at the river. Uh, My daughter yesterday... Uh, mentioned how that mill makes Kakana stink once in a while. But I don't know if you've ever taken a walk along the river and you've seen signs for the fishermen. Hey, don't eat these fish. And if you catch this type of fish, don't eat more than two of them. Why? Because of pollution. And I just think about the reality of the world. There's going to be a famine physically, but I believe there's going to be a famine naturally also so the biggest famine that we're facing today guys it is a spiritual one we see pollution in the world Um, our eyes are glued to the tv what is the world telling me what is the media having to say what do i need to be told what do i need to be believing we're being tossed to and fro we're caring about everything else except what matters, and that is spiritual reality because it is the spiritual truths that are for all time, that are eternal. Why do we care about the temporal, okay? Why, why do we want to gain this whole world and lose our souls? And it's one of those things, guys, there's a spiritual famine going on today in the world, and that's what we really need to address. Um, I just heard a thing Uh, from the mayor of New York. Um, You guys know I don't talk politics a whole lot, but it just grieved my heart because he was doing a press conference and their numbers are starting to come down. They believe that they've peaked with the coronavirus there. 
and he would not give any glory to God. He actually came against God, plainly saying God had nothing to do with this. It was all our own efforts. Look like look at what we have been able to do in and of ourselves. That is pride. That is gross. Um, people are spiritually blind. More than anything, guys, we need to be turning to Jesus Christ. And I wish there was um, so much effort and care and concern about people's souls as much as uh, people are caring about their physical well-being that is temporary. You guys know that this life is temporary? Uh, We're going to be gone in a vapor. It goes quick. Some of you guys are like, amen, brother. I know what you're talking about. Anyways, let's move on now to the next horseman. This will be the fourth one. We read in verse 7, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse. A pale horse is ugly, guys. Uh, Chloris is the word. We get chlorine or chlorophyll from that word. Just ugly. And he who sat on it was death. And Hades uh, followed with him. And power was given to him over a fourth, one-fourth of the earth, to kill with a sword, with hunger, with death, by the beasts of the field. Field, so we see here um, the fourth seal being opened, and we see this widespread spread death all over planet. A fourth of them, and we know later when the trumpets begin, and we look at the sixth trumpet, a fourth will die now, and then there's going to be a third of the earth. That many more. If there's right now. 8 billion people upon the earth, we lose a quarter of them, that's 2 billion people. And then if we lose another third of the 6 billion, okay, uh, you guys can see how quickly um, people will be dying and there will be death. When it says here at the bottom, okay, about the beasts of the earth, this really got me excited this week. Uh, The word is therion in the Greek. Um, It's not. I've always thought of beasts being great, okay? These big beasts are going to come and destroy us. But it actually means something that's small. It doesn't have to be big. So that could be microscopic. It could be a virus uh, that these beasts of the earth is referring to. You think about what's going on right now, and globally speaking, just how this little bitty unseen thing has affected the world globally. And we're so advanced today in the world when it comes to healthcare, science. We have phenomenal doctors all around the world. Um, but the reality is, we're sick. Um, and we need to recognize our need for a savior. There is a illness, there is a sin problem that is leading to death, and it is the eternal death forever. And even though we have. Um, here in the United States, the largest industry we have is health care. So much money is being put towards that. So much hope is in that to prolong our lives. Great. You make it to 80, 90, 100. What is that if you lose your soul? Uh, so we really need to open our eyes to what really matters in this life. I want to consider with you guys uh, just some disguised deception that we see with the force horsemen here. Again, the first seal is opened. We see the false messiah come. He will come and he will make uh, peace. Um, and then 
he uh, has this authority and we see another seal open, the second one, and we see war take place there. And isn't war a very patriotic thing? You guys see how we can be deceived and how these horsemen can disguise themselves as good things. I, I, I often have a hard time with war because everybody's convinced that they're fighting for the right thing. Um, and even people who said, hey, we're doing this in the name of God. Really? You know, I read of the Christian Crusades. That was just gross. That had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That was just a mess. Um, that's not the heart of God at all. And it's crazy that in the midst of war, we want to make it patriotic. And then we saw the third seal opened. Okay. Um, famine will come, starvation. But in light of that, there's going to be the rich getting richer. There's going to be luxury. And then we see the pale horse. Okay, he's going to come. A fourth of the world will be killed um, despite our health care and all the advances that we have. And that brings us now uh, to verse 9 in chapter 6. Um, there we go. When, verse 9, he opened the fifth seal. So here, Jesus is still in heaven opening the seals. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. And I want to think about that with you guys for a moment. Persecution is just part of the Christian's life. Uh, if you're a seeker and you're weighing out whether or not you should follow Christ, man, my best life now, if I follow Jesus, that's what I've been told. No, read the Bible. There's a cost to following Christ. If the world hated him, he told us it's going to hate us also. We will be persecuted. Everyone who lives godly will be persecuted. Those are promises we find in the scriptures. So there are those all, all over the world. Okay, We are blessed here in the West. We have a lot of religious freedoms, but we have brothers and sisters in dozens of countries all around the world who are being put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ. They're being slain for the word of God. And we see the same thing that's going to happen during the tribulation. There's going to be people getting saved during this time. And they're going to be slain. And for their testimony. That makes me think of Revelation chapter 12. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. Okay, So that's the Antichrist. Okay, He will be possessed by Satan himself and be given that authority, that power, because he knows that his time is short. So Revelation 12, 11 there always makes me think of how important testimony is. Um, and I've asked a couple people in the weeks to come. I'm hoping to have some people share. As Freedom Fellowship, we've been growing. There's a lot of new people who have joined our church family. And I think it'd be a great opportunity for us to share testimony, just what God has done in our lives, how he's set us free and what he's doing. And there's power in that. Man, Jesus dying upon the cross, the blood of the, of the lamb being shed for the remission of sin and the testimony of the saints. That's how we overcome Satan. And I love that we can testify. There's people that want to argue with us as believers. How can you believe the Bible? How can you even believe that there's a God? You can't argue testimony, can you? 
hey, let me share with you what God's done in my life, what he is doing. People can't say you're lying, okay? No, this is what's happening in my life. You can't say that's a lie. It is happening. This is my experience. This is what God is doing. So I encourage you guys, share your testimonies with people. Um, going back here, we see that they were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then the, a white robe was given to each one of them, and it was said to them that they should not rest, or they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as they were, was completed. Now, we see a lot of believers in Jesus who are going to be killed during the tribulation, and precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints we read and if you look here with me guys it says how long these people are being martyred oh lord holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth so there's going to be those who have been martyred for their faith in christ during the tribulation they came to know jesus okay this isn't the church the church has been raptured before the great tribulation who are these people? Well, these are those who are being slain for the testimony of the word of God. And how long? Well, when they're all finally killed for their faith. That's how long when it's completed. That's when he will come and he will do. So we need to remember in light of this, John 3.16 that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through, or that the world through him might be saved. And guys, aren't you glad that his grace and his mercy has been offered to you? Offered first? Think about that. Some of you guys have just gotten saved in the last few weeks. Awesome. What if Jesus came back a year ago? Aren't you guys glad that he's long-suffering? How long, Lord? How long? I'm grateful. I'm glad he's waiting because there are people that I love, family, that I want to see come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. I want to share another one with you. In Psalm 145, verse 8 and 17, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He is slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. So God is surprisingly slow to judge. And then we have 2 Peter 3.9, which you guys know I love this verse. You hear me share it often. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He wants people to get saved, all people. Some would say that he is too slow. So when we consider um, the long-suffering of the Lord, we should be thankful. But there is a day that is coming. Okay, Jesus gave us uh, times and seasons, what would be going on 
before the last days, the great tribulation, and we look at all the things that are going on today in the world, Israel is back in the land. That is one thing that needed to happen. They were apart for almost 2,000 years, and God brought them back. That doesn't happen. It's never happened in history. And we have this people group that God would said would come back to their homeland. It's happened. Millions of Jews there uh, in Israel today. Uh, he's bringing them from all over the world. Also, guys, we consider just the different things going on in light of famines that he talked about, the pestilences that he talked about, the earthquakes that he said would take place. Man, there were earthquakes this last week, last Sunday, tornadoes ripping through the uh, southern part of the United States here. 34 died. Thousands of people lost their home. That's just crazy to think about. These things are happening, and they are uh, birth pains. Okay, they're getting more intense and they're getting closer and closer together. So we need to be paying attention. There are things that are unique to this time in history that has not happened in all of history. They're magnifying. They're getting bigger. They're globally affecting everybody. So the time is near. I want to take a look now as we wrap up our study. Look at verse 12 here with me. I looked and when he opened the sixth seal... And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded in in a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men, slave and free, they hid themselves. Catch this. They hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for great for the great day of his wrath has come. Who is able to stand? And that is a valid question. And it always trips me out that during the tribulation, we see the grace of God all over it. I hope you guys are catching that. God, through these different uh, seals, everyone happens. People have opportunity to repent, but they don't. Things get bad. Okay, They don't repent. Hey, here comes another seal. Hey, they still don't repent. And now we're to the point, we're to the sixth seal. Instead of crying out to the rock of ages, Jesus Christ, save me. No, hide us. We want nothing to do with you, okay? Um, Anyways, some people talk about this maybe being a nuclear exchange. I got too many commentaries on Revelation. Um, I think it's going to be God. He gets involved. We just were asked, how long, Lord? <laughs> and here we see God, natural things begin to happen. But what I'd really like to look at with you guys is the question there at the bottom. Uh, who is able to stand? Well, I love Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. That's how we're right with God. It's by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of our God. And aren't we saved by grace through faith? 
Okay, not of ourselves, least anyone should boast. It is a gift of God. I hope you received that gift because that's the only way you're going to be able to stand. Some of you who are unbelievers and you're still listening this far into study, I don't want to go through this great tribulation. You know what? If you're part of the church, you don't. You will be raptured. We don't go through this at all. So I know a lot of people, as they consider this, we start talking about the Antichrist. Who is it going to be? A lot of people have a lot of speculations. Well, we think it's going to be him. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I hope you aren't either. What we should be doing is looking for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what the scriptures have told us to do. That is our blessed hope. We are to comfort one another with those words, okay? And don't ignore the rapture of the church. So if you are an unbeliever and you're tripping out about going through the tribulation and going through all this craziness that's going to happen, the wrath of God being poured out upon planet earth, believe. Become a part of the church, okay? Turn to Jesus. Repent. Put your faith in him. All right, back a couple more scriptures when we consider those who can stand. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 here with me. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, the good news that Jesus, that he came, he lived a perfect life, he died upon a cross for you that your sins could be forgiven. And we know it took because he rose from the dead. If you repent and believe, you will be saved. Preach the gospel. It was preached to you, which you also received. You got to receive that gift by faith and in which you stand. So the gospel, that is how we stand. And then 1 Peter 5.12, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. So I encourage you guys. Man, the only standing we have is if we're in Christ Jesus. Because that's how God looks at us who are believers. We're in Christ. He sees us as righteous because of Christ. So, um, yeah, let's wrap up here. Just a couple verses I want to throw out there in closing. Revelation 1.3 tells us, in light of studying the book of Revelation, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Do you guys know that the time is near? It's nearer than it's ever been. I know that for sure. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know the times and the seasons and it's getting close. I'm excited. We believe we're living in the last days and that really does stir our hearts up. We're blessed when we read um, the book of Revelation it gets us thinking on eternal things, things that really matter. And I think more than any time, God's trying to get our attention. He wants us to reset. I mean, he is doing things globally. What do we care about? What should our priorities be? And we see that people are turning to him. People are turning back to him. Those are good things. And if you're not a believer in Christ, I want to share with you 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. For he says, In acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Some of you guys need to bow the knee finally before your Maker. We don't know when we're going to see him face to face. Today might be that day. We don't know what's going to happen. 
And if you do stand before him, are you going to have a standing? Are you going to be right before him? Are you in Christ or not? Today is the day of salvation. God desires none to perish. And if you haven't confessed Jesus as Lord and believed in your heart, you need to do that. I'd encourage you, humble yourselves, receive the grace of God, cry out for forgiveness, proclaim him as Lord, turn from your sin, repent, turn to him. Um, greatest thing you will ever do in this life. And if you have done that today, I would love to hear from you. You can go to our website at cometofreedom.com, scroll all the way down to the bottom. There's a place to leave messages there. Put in there, I've put my faith in Jesus today. And maybe just share a little bit. And I'd love to get a hold of you, to pray with you, to encourage you in the Lord. And for all of us this morning, I think of John 16, often in light of what's going on in the world with COVID-19 and just in light of studying Revelation, these things Jesus says, I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, we will have trouble, but be of good cheer, he tells us. I have overcome the world. So if you're tripping, if you're struggling today as a Christian in light of what's going on, woe is me, I've lost my job, what am I going to do? I can't be with my church family. I just want to encourage you guys. God's spoken these things to us beforehand. We have such a hope that we can be of good cheer. Okay, There's going to be trouble in this world, but he gives us peace. And that's something that he has for each and every one of you. A peace that surpasses understanding. And one last scripture. 1 Peter 5.10 But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And he does that because he's promised never to leave you or forsake you. So I want to close with this thought. I want to encourage you guys to take time to dig into the book of Revelation. Um, Man, I, I wish we had more time to cross-reference. There's so much in here, but I encourage you guys, read through the whole book in the coming month or two where we're going to work our way through verse by verse uh, through this book. Next week, we'll get into chapter 7 together and we'll consider the 144,000 and what takes place in the beginning of the trumpet judgments. Uh, but I encourage you to um, investigate the Bible. Okay, Be a Berean. Um, the word of God's not scared of anything. It has answers for us. And I know that God's promise when we seek him, uh, we're going to find him. We're going to find answers. We can reason with him. So that is Revelation chapter 6 this morning. I hope that you were encouraged, built up, stirred up by the word of God. I'd love to close our time in prayer with you. So if you bow your heads with me once again. Father, as we consider uh, just the things that are yet to come, Lord, we don't want to uh, see any, any of our loved ones, anyone, have to go through that. It would be great if uh, your creation would turn to you and recognize you for who you are, Lord. And you've asked us to go and to, to preach uh, the gospel, the good news, because there's a whole lot of bad news out there, Lord. People are in their sin. They're going to be in eternity 
in hell for all time unless they uh, receive your gift of salvation. And we do thank you that you are the Savior of the world. We thank you that you have us on a mission to share. We thank you, Lord, that even on these Sunday mornings as we can't gather together at a building, man, we got two to three times more people that are hearing the word of God just as a result of what's going on. And we thank you for that. We thank you that those who are turning in and maybe hearing the word for the first time, God, that their eyes would be open to their need of you, that they would be crying out to you. And more than anything, I just want to pray peace for my brothers and sisters today, God, that you would be with them, God, um, just encouraging them within uh, their inner man, in the spirit. God, you've given us so much, and we are so thankful, God, that you love us the way you do. Lord, and as we do go through trials and persecutions, God, we know that you do a work in and through those things, Father, for our good and for your glory. So we just want to be open. We want to be led well by your Spirit. So we just offer ourselves to you, God. Work in and through us for your glory. We love you. We give thanks for this time together today, Father, to worship together. Again, thank you for Pastor Seth, and thank you so much for your word It is so good. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you guys excited to uh, be back with you this next week. Again, we just started a new believers class at Freedom Fellowship. If you'd like to be a part of that, uh, we will link on our page um, just the the group so you can get into there. Uh, Request to be a part of it this next week. On Thursday night, 6.30, I'm going to be going through 10 ways we know the Bible is true. Can we trust it? And I love it. A lot of people say you just need to have faith. One thing I love about God, no, he has proof that this is from him. This is legit. This book, guys, is supernatural. So we're going to be looking into that, and I hope you'll join us for that. Till next time, God bless you. God bless you, and thanks for listening to today's message. For more information on Freedom Fellowship Church or to hear other teachings, please visit our website, cometofreedom.com, or interact with us at facebook.com slash church.